0: My name is Brent. Quite a number of people seem to be annoyed by the final chapter in the Fandalite story. There are a lot of complaints that we were upset about Rachel dying, that we let Visser 3 slash 1 live, that Cassie and Jake broke up, that Tobias seems to have been reduced to unexpressed grief, that there was no grand final fight to end all fights, that there was no happy celebration, and everyone is mad about the podcast. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where myself and Jenna read and discuss every book in the Animorphs series. We have finished that run. This is now our wrap-up episode where we talk about what our final thoughts are and read the whole deluge of fan mail that we, uh, that we got.
1: A beautiful, crushing wave <laughs> of, of wonderful emails.
0: That little uh, bit in the cold open was a, a poorly adapted bit from Kay Applegate's response to criticism of the final Anarfs book, which we have had a couple people tell us to read. Uh, and yeah. We just let, want to let you know we have.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. We'll talk about that. I think we're going to do emails first. Yes. And then we can talk about, about that letter, which I think is very interesting.
0: Yeah. We're going to start with transmissions from zero space. So, without further ado, let's jump into it. Our first uh Zero Space transmission is from Eric. Eric writes, Hey Jen and Brent. First of all, I want to say thanks. You guys created one of the most fun podcasts that I have heard in a long ass time, and in my opinion, the best Animorphs podcast. You guys are, didn't... are all of
1: the emails just gonna be really people saying nice things about us? Because I'm not angry about that. <laughs> but I don't know how entertaining it'll be. <laughs>
0: Well, it's, it's entertaining for us. And you know, at this point, we deserve it.
1: Oh, this is our victory lap. You're right. Go for it.
0: (laughs) You guys didn't just rehash the books. You guys created one of the best characters of the series, Hecate. You guys made me believe that Andalites don't have torsos. (laughs) Because they don't. That's canon. Uh, Thanks for making all my Fridays at work fun, whether I was hungover or not. Big mood. Mm, Uh, Now on to the slippery parts. This nope. Was...
1: Is that what it says? I'm sorry. Did you say slippery parts? <laughs> I did you say did parts, Hey, Brent, you said slippery parts. Please take that one again.
0: Uh, now on to the spoilery
1: parts. <laughs> 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 no slipperies, please.
0: Woo! Now on to the spoilery parts. This was the first book that ever made me cry. I was in seventh grade when I finally got my hands on 54, and the fact that this book opened up with the death of Rachel destroyed my soul. I can't wait to see how you guys react to these soul-destroying chapters. At this point, I don't have any fun theories for the series, except that maybe, just maybe, when Jake decides to crash the Rachel, maybe the explosion sends them back in time to the construction <gasps> site and they just do it all over again.
2: <gasps>
0: I think the entire series being a Sunrio rip would be the biggest bullshit.
1: <sighs> what if they already did and this series was Jake's second try?
0: oh my god (laughs) i just i don't oh
1: wait no better i've got a better take on that what if it is a a time warp and it's cassie's second try and that's why she's so concerned about the morality because she's seen where they where it leads
2: oh Uh,
1: i mean she's not on the rachel so the eric's pitch doesn't work with that but you know magic and science and stuff
0: Sure, sure. The same sort of alien science that brought us uh, Conjuring the Spirits of the Dead.
1: Yeah!
0: Um, There's a PS. I just thought of one more thing while writing this, and what if the one is some weird amalgamation of bits of the Elemist and Krayak?
2: Hmm.
0: (gasps) P.S.S. Can't wait to see what you guys do next. Just know that you have at least one fan that looks forward to it.
1: Aw, oh, thank you. Thanks, Eric. Well, I, l- I love the idea of the one being part Illimist and part Krayak, and now part Axe.
0: It sort of makes sense. It is it is the one who is many.
1: Yes, and that means at least three in this instance.
0: <laughs> Correct. Plus, whatever bits of uh, Krayak were... I don't know. Do Krayak's subsouls count as discrete entities? Because the droid's in the mix there, too.
1: Um, that's true. You know, I don't really know. I think it's up to them.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The one... Uh, thanks for writing, Eric.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you for writing and listening. Our next email is from Jenna LeFleur. Uh, and a bless. Thank you. You have a giant spoiler at the top of this. Not a spoiler. I'm sorry. You have a giant spoiler warning at the top of this. And I appreciate that personally very much. <laughs> hey, Jenna and Brent. I'm also a Jenna. I know that. I think I follow you on Twitter because you're a Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> might, might speak to just something about my personality that I don't want it to. Love your show. As of the time I'm writing this, you guys are up to book 48, The Return. So I devoured the entire Animorph book series from age 8 to age 11-ish. Maybe 8 years old was a bit too young to be introduced to this beautiful, fucked-up series full of body horror and war trauma. I don't know. I don't think my parents exactly knew what the series entailed when they bought me the first one I read, number 15, The Escape. I was born during the series' original run, so by the time I started reading them, they were already out of print. Damn! That's intense. Yeah. Once I got hooked, my parents dutifully tracked down secondhand copies online and in used bookstores and gave them to me one by one as an incentive to go to speech therapy. Aww. So I guess I partially have animore to thanks thanks to thank for the fact that I no longer have a lisp. That's amazing. That is some <laughs> g- fucking great parenting. Kind of.
0: I hope you've told k applicate that on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's spectacular. I think my reasons for obsessing over the series are kind of interesting in and of themselves. One huge part of it was the sheer amount of data that the very standardized and long-running format of the series provided. This appealed to the facts-loving brain of a grade-school age me so very much. I could rattle off the number, title, narrator, cover morph, and plenty of other ridiculous minute details of every single book in the series. And for the most part, still can, although it might take me a bit longer. That's fucking impressive yeah honestly i feel like that is some expertise that would have benefited this podcast as a whole
0: i feel personally attacked
1: because <laughs> is it because of the two of us you are the one who is more likely to be able to do that
0: N- no it's because i don't think that i could even name all of the books much less in order <laughs>
1: yeah and, and we yeah, just read them no. so yeah we did just read them way to make me look the past like a real two piece years. of shit
0: jenna <laughs> yeah man that That is something I say a lot.
1: But also, and this is so blindingly obvious in retrospect that I can't believe it took me nearly a decade to realize it. I was so weirdly fascinated by these shape-shifting kids because I was deeply closeted trans girl. It never occurred to me at the time that maybe this was why I routinely turned to the escapism of a world where you can so easily alter the entirety of your physical form. That's really weird, kind of surreal, to look back on a giant series like this that I only ever knew after it was already over. Reading the final books, or frankly even thinking about the final books, feels so profoundly sad. It's like visiting Rachel's grave. I can't really describe it. Thank you two so much for all that you've done. Keep spreading the hashtag and light truth. Yeah. P.S. I'm totally okay with you potentially reading this on the show or not. Whatever cools for you. Thank you. I'm glad I read that at the very end of the email. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that what what you're saying about the shape shifting uh, is really interesting to me because I was also super obsessed with that as like a preteen slash early teen girl, and part of that was also like the Sailor Moon influence mm. because they. The girls in Sailor Moon transform from being like teens to being like the exact same, but they have superpowers, but there's this whole transformation (laughs) sequence that I was, I was just super obsessed with like that and like mystique and just the entire idea of not being confined to a specific body. Yeah. So I I really appreciate that perspective is like there, the the war stuff aside, which is how I read them as a kid, (laughs) the shape shifting is very good and cool
0: yes yeah and i I have noticed that we seem to have uh on twitter an awful lot of followers who are trans uh Mm. and it had occurred to me at some point while we were reading this series that oh oh yeah okay that's probably why
1: (laughs) i mean i think the the desire to change one's body is something that is widely
0: widely appealing oh yeah it's pretty universal CF, yeah. my uh, my wish for a buff Brent morph.
1: <laughs> yes. God, I forgot. I fucking forgot about buff Brent.
0: Val <laughs> <laughs> said she'd take it.
1: <laughs> Good for her. Ugh.
0: Well, thanks for writing, Jenna.
1: Yes, thank you. You want to take us to our next email?
0: Yeah, our next email is from Zach. Zach writes, hey Brent, hey Jenna, at Zach Vaudo. Vaudo? I think I'm probably mispronouncing that. It's Z A K V A U D O from Twitter here. Uh, you finally made it all the way to the bitter, bitter end. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm really glad to have discovered the podcast. Animorphs has been one of my biggest fandoms. I read them all as a kid and reread them all during Job Hunts five or so years ago, but I never nice. found much of a community apart from the subreddit for the topic. Finding you two helped me revisit this series yet again. Gave me an outlet for all my Anamorph discussion bullshit on each of your tweets, which I've <laughs> looked forward to every week. Thank you. Uh, And led me to discovering other Animorphs podcasts, engaging in the wider community at large, and even striking up conversations with KA's husband slash co-writer Michael Grant. So, thank you for reinvigorating my fandom and giving me a place to do so. Now, with everything over, I want to get your take. KA went on record saying that this was the way things had to end, given the lives the team led. Do you agree? Could it have been done differently? Did Rachel have to die for them all to win, or is this truly the way of the war? Thank you both again for helping to refuel the fire of the fandom. I've seen and helped spread so much more news and reflection and memes about this <laughs> series. The memes are really do- the Dork Bajir's uh, wheelhouse.
1: <laughs> God, they're so fucking good at oh, memes. Oh, they're
0: very good. Uh, about this series, thanks to podcasts like yours. I'll miss it dearly and look forward to your next projects. Thanks for writing, Zach.
1: Yes, and also thank you for all of your Twitter comments, which are all very, very good.
0: Yes! Uh, So Jenna, do you want to address this question now or do you want to handle that sort of at uh, at the very end when we when we do our wrap up? Uh,
1: Let's handle it at the very end, although I will say this just occurred to me as as you were reading this email, uh, especially the part did Rachel have to die for them all to win? And I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I wanted to say that I think the books did a really good job of justifying her death. Do you know what I mean?
0: Books is written, I I thought her death was completely unnecessary to them actually winning the war. Or it would have been if, if Eric the Chi hadn't ha hadn't drained the power from the weapons in the last minute.
1: I'm yeah, I mean from like an outside standpoint, it like there are definitely shows or books where it feels like some weird and bad plot maneuvering maneuvering had to happen to get a character to die Mm -hmm. and i don't feel like it like everything that happens in the book happens in such a way where it does feel like rachel is the natural conclusion of how this plot is structured not like a kind of a half-assed way of raising stakes like i think the books are well written in such a way that i i didn't like roll my eyes like oh what a dumb thing to have happened (laughs) That that caused Rachel to die. I I say that I I'm not going to name names. I've been watching some shows secondhand from my roommate the last week or two. No, please name like, names. It's it's the Umbrella Academy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've,
1: okay. And, and I'll I'll admit I've only watched like every other episode, but it just the ugh, the bad choices that lead to characters dying is it. It, in order to up like the stakes and the drama is like okay this is this is a little it, it just feels a little slapdash plot wise sure sure but rachel's death does like rachel's death feels earned within the, the plot
0: yeah yeah i think you're uh i think you're totally correct with that
1: yeah and we'll talk about all of the rest of that later
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> right, you want to take us to the next email
1: I certainly do. This one is from Sam uh, slash at actual ham binder on Twitter. <laughs> I do want to know what that means. <laughs> uh, hey, so book six, when Jake gets Tom's hand-me-down yurk, he definitely morphs way small. <gasps> And then suggests the stay stays wrapped around the human brain in Z-space and the human brain is somehow connected via quantum entanglement or some hard, hand-wavy nonsense to the morphed body. I, sorry, my guess was me just remembering that he morphs an ant in that book.
0: Yeah, we did not remember that when we were talking about the morph-capable Yurks uh, yeah. towards the end of the series.
1: <laughs> However, this also kind of implies Tobias's real human brain... <gasps> Is out in Z-Space somewhere and could potentially get hit by a ship going through Z-Space, which is, uh, not great. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, great episode. Can't wait for the last couple. This is, uh, Sam, thank you for writing such a casual and upsetting email. (laughs) Oh,
0: as I, as I Uh, told someone, uh, via Twitter DMs earlier, spreading the, the horrifying visualization is always the correct route. (laughs)
1: it stays wrapped around the human brain in z space yeah i mean that makes sense that also clears up some of the other questions we've had about how brain size and intellect and personality and all of that works (sighs) with morphs but boy is it upsetting to think of tobias's human brain floating in z space
0: i mean i think we've actually discussed his human viscera floating around in z space before
1: yeah, and I think also how some of his viscera becomes Rachel's elephant body because of how mass transference works.
0: Yes, just sort of poking out of the uh, <laughs> of the sides of that giant fatberg in zero space.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. Ugh. Anyway, he's more way more likely to die of old hawk age probably before his brain gets smooshed.
0: I mean, that's that's happening real soon. I think by book fifty four.
1: Oh, Tobias.
0: Oh, Tobias.
1: Thank you for the email, Sam.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Your Twitter is great. (laughs) So our next email is from Adzina. Adzina writes, Hi Brent, just Brent, and Jenna, just Jenna. I had a dream about animorphs last night. I know (laughs) listening to other people's dreams is usually really tedious, but this one had a lot of sick animorphs content. It was set post-war when all the animorphs are adults, like in their early 20s. And then there's some bullet points. Jake came out as gay. However... He felt really anxious and uneasy about it because he's so withdrawn and committed to his all-American guy persona, but the press kept Mm. calling him the gay animorph. Of course they did. And it made him feel really self-conscious and embarrassed. He and Marco were dating for a while and then broke up, but then kept it all secret from the press. Anyway, this made me think about how easy it is to headcanon all of the animorphs as gay slash bi slash trans. Yes. Uh, Second bullet point. Humans started adopting alien culture and technology in a pretty fundamental way. Some people adopted Thoughtspeak, but most people didn't because they found it too creepy. Mm. Uh, third bullet point, the Yerks, as a whole, started shunning anything associated with the Yerk Empire and its culture. For instance, it turns out the Yerks have different languages, but they started stigmatizing any of the languages used by the Imperial Yerks, like the language of the sulp pool. The name of this pool <gasps> was lodged deep in my unconscious, apparently.
1: That's amazing.
0: Uh, anyway, how do you think human, yerk, and antelite culture might change after the war. And which anamorphs do you think are LGBTQ? And then in parentheses, correct answer, all of them. Mm. Uh, As always, thanks for a great podcast, and I'm super excited for you guys to get to the end, but also sad the podcast will soon be over. And then the font changes. (laughs) The humans love their podcast, don't they? Yes. But what happens when the podcasts go away? We'll have to see. Oh yes, we'll just have to see. (laughs)
1: Uh, Just for uh, a little bit of subtext, Gmail's auto-refill response uh, text is either very interesting, (laughs) love it, or thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think all three of these are canon now. Uh... More canon than canon, if I had to say.
0: More canon than canon, yes. Actual canon. <laughs> we we talked a little bit about how the Yurk Empire is sort of cut off from the rest of its culture, but I thought there was a little aside in Book 54 where it mentions the Council of Thirteen being on the Yurk homeworld.
1: Oh, did they? I don't specifically remember that, but that doesn't mean anything. It's
0: possible that that actually was a dream that I had, because apparently Animorphs' <laughs> dreams are what we're all doing now
1: that's great i hope i get visited with one tonight
0: yeah especially one that pulls like sulpni R.
1: yeah right i that's not in my subconscious anywhere i can guarantee you uh i really like all of these though i especially like uh that jake comes out as gay and that he and marco date
0: it would uh honestly and and sort of towards the lgbtq question it, it would make sense that all of them is the correct answer because they all <laughs> describe uh, axes frolis maneuver morph as disturbingly oh, yeah. pretty so they're all sort of attracted to uh, axes you know uh, Andri- androgynous yeah, yeah androgynous boy morph and they're all a little uncomfortable about that
1: which is very much like the early ninety or late nineties early two thousands <laughs> feeling about uh, at least me during that time period. Um, uh, but of who do I think are explicitly LGBTQ? I think Cassie. Listen, Cassie has been a lot of animals, and she knows a lot about the animal world. And I think she probably understands that animals are like hella gay. <laughs> what? I think she probably knows that like the animal world is like super freaky and queer. Can you like, unpack it's just that a I,
0: I just, I really, I would like more context on the statement. The animal kingdom is hella gay
1: not going to you can google it okay
0: all right sure it's just
1: like you know animals fuck and they fuck all sorts of things yeah
0: i i also listened to that bloodhound gang album <laughs> yeah.
1: but i think i feel like cassie is pragmatic and she i mean she's not pragmatic she's highly moralistic but i think once <laughs> i think her take on understanding the animal world would lead her to understand that uh being gay is like chill <laughs> it's just like totally fine and good
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh and i think she would be down LB- lgbtq that's how i feel
0: but would she be lgbtq
1: i think she'd probably identify as queer i think she would understand that like again the world's hella gay mm-hmm. uh and i think she'd be down Awesome. I want to date Cassie, is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> oh, I see where this happens. Yes, <laughs> of, okay.
1: Of of all the Animorphs, as uh, as they are at the series ends, Cassie is the one I most want to date, for sure.
0: Good save, because I was going to dunk on you about expressing romantic interest in one of these teens.
1: No, they're f- super adult now, Brent. I mean, they're much too young for me to date oh, yeah. uh, In at the end of this book. Although, I guess by now? We'd be, I mean, we'd probably be about the same age.
0: I'm bad at math.
1: I'm not going to strain my brain too much about it. But Cassie, to answer this question, Cassie is the one I would like to date the most. Thank you for asking, Ed Cena. I don't
0: think that was the question, but uh, (laughs) I appreciate your TED talk.
1: (laughs) Other than that, like, I don't know. I feel like Tobias is just going to hermit himself out and not ever. Yeah. And Marco, we know from Michael Grant's comment, is bisexual. Although I think it's going to take him a while to get there. Yeah, I think he's he's living out this weird idea of fame and masculinity, at least as we last saw him. And so I think it's going to take him a while to come to that.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably spot on with that. You want to take us to the next email?
1: I certainly do. Thank you, Ed Zena. Yeah, thank you. This next email is from Luke. I'm just gonna there's yeah, Luke. Hey, Brent and Jenna. Love the podcast. It definitely jumps to the top of my podcast queue upon release. In your most recent episode, you discussed the uh, practicalities of human controllers morphing. I'm glad everybody has takes on this because I'm still pretty fucking upset about (laughs) human controller morphing. (laughs) my read on it. This is Luke again. When a yerk-controlled human or andalite morphs, they are, for all intents and purposes, treated as part of the human brain. So whatever happens to that happens to the yerk. If they are morphing something like, something small, like a bug, then the yerk gets transferred to z-space along with the rest of the humans, uh, the human, and it drives the morph from there. You saw in book six when Jake was infested that the yerk of- how did everybody fucking remember book six and we didn't? We are being fucking- blasted by our own audience about our own dumb fucking idiot brains. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> they were able to binge our podcast. By the time we <laughs> recorded episode 51, it had been like a year since like, we read that book.
1: It, it had been like over a year, yeah. We saw in book six when Jake was infested that the Yurk tried morphing an ant to escape so there doesn't appear to be a size limit. Also, you guys talked about the Chi got me thinking. How do the Animorphs and Axe communicate to the Chi and morph? They are robots and don't really have a brain to thought speak into.
0: I assume that they have an positronic brain because they're sentient androids.
1: Oh, I like that. So, they, I mean, they have some sort of consciousness. You think that's what the morph thought speak is tapping into? Yeah, I
0: think they, they've got a brain. It's just a, uh, it's silicon instead of carbon based.
1: Luke goes on to say, I guess that as Andalites communicate with their ships and computers via ThoughtSpeak. it must be a similar thing. But any other suggestions are welcome. Nope, that's the best suggestion, Luke. You got it. Thanks again. I look forward to hearing your take on the series ending. Yeah, I think probably, probably it's something science or technology that solves that for us
0: honestly my assumption is that if Applegate were to answer most of these questions she'd say just repeat to yourself it's just a book and i should really just relax
1: oh you think so i think she would have some sort of sci-fi explanation
0: i'm sure that she would have a science fantasy explanation
1: fine sure fair enough uh thank you luke
0: yes thank you luke Uh, our next email is from toby Uh, toby writes my name's toby obviously i can't tell you exactly where i'm from but i will say i cringed So, so hard during your recentest episode about Cassie down in Australia, egads, it was a rough one. And this is fair. I I hope that you're ready to get put on blast again, Jenna, because uh, it's happening, and we deserve it. I have heard you talk multiple times about Kay Applegate's quote-unquote son. I know you have been careful not to read too much of Kay Applegate's interviews and such, so you may not know this, but Kay Applegate actually has a daughter. The child she had while writing the Animorphs as trans and is a young woman, just wanted to flag this so you can update your language going forward to child or daughter.
2: Yes.
1: Uh, again, apologies on our part. We did know KA had a trans daughter and uh we just did not assume it was that one, so we fucked up real bad. I'm sorry. Yes.
0: And man, if uh if we had realized that around the Australia episode, uh uh I've yeah, that's, that's totally our fuck up and we feel real bad about it. Um, I know I personally am going to attempt to just default to child from now on when talking about people's kids.
1: <laughs> that's a good call.
0: It's like a, it's an extension of the of, I'm trying to go to singular they. It's, it's taken a while, but I'm trying for yeah. just for people I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a good call.
0: Basically, every trans person I know was obsessed with Animorphs as a child. And most of us read Tobias as a trans narrative.
1: Oh.
0: So it's extra lovely to us that K.A. is such a proud and affirming mom of a trans kid.
1: That's a fascinating take on Tobias' story.
0: It's not one I'd ever really thought about.
1: I really like it.
0: Yeah, it it makes so much sense once it's pointed out. Uh, I've also been loving the current take floating around the internet right now that if you loved Animorphs as a kid, you're Antifa (laughs) now. Thoughts?
2: (laughs) Uh, Same. Same is my thought.
0: Uh.
2: (laughs)
1: I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Who doesn't want a gritty morph? Oh my god. We're not getting into gritty discourse on this fucking podcast, bro.
0: (laughs) Me, an intellectual, was radicalized by Animorphs. (laughs) Uh, Since your first few episodes, I realized you never read the final books. I have been eagerly awaiting your reaction to how it all ends and K.A.'s statement on that, which could probably be a whole episode on its own, true. Uh, I actually thought about reading it for the cold open, but then it turned out to be very long. Yeah. Although I will be heartbroken when your podcast is over. Thank you for bringing me the Andalite truth, Toby. P.S. <laughs> You're welcome. Sometimes when I listen to a lot of episodes in a row, I get Jenna's voice stuck in my head. And then all of my <laughs> internal reactions are narrated with her inflections for like a week. And I just thought she should know that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Toby. Actually, let me just um, real quick. Let me read Google's suggested auto responses, which are thanks. I'll check it out. Thank you. Thanks for the tip.
0: I'm looking forward to finding the email where (laughs) Google suggested auto responses. Thanks. I hate it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for writing, Toby. Jenna, your voice is in someone else's head.
1: Uh, It's good to know because my voice isn't even in my own head. Your
0: thought speaking to Toby, like sort (gasps) of, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not languaging good. I wish I could thought speak. I
1: don't know if we want to hear your heart's content sprint.
0: it wouldn't be my heart it would be my head
1: even worse thank you toby (laughs) for the very good email (laughs) that's
0: fair no that's that's legit
1: this next email comes from jamie hey guys after listening to both of you uh to you sorry Hey guys, after listening to you both talk about the confusing mechanics behind morphing human controllers, I was admittedly surprised you didn't consider what I personally had always thought. Then I realized the way I had always figured human controller morphers work is arguably one of the most horrifying roads my then nine-year-old brains could have possibly gone down. Perfect. Okay, so we know that morphing technology is, for lack of a better word, picky. However, it's not that picky. You assumedly <laughs> can't morph loose clothing. <laughs>
0: Morphine technology. Not that picky. <laughs> Have we found the, the episode, episode title?
1: title? Yes, we certainly did. You assumedly can't morph loose clothing because it doesn't, quote, register as part of the body that's morphing. You can morph skin-tight clothes, however, likely because they're close enough to the body so that they're mistaken for skin or fur or something. A safeguard a race of fur-covered, torsoless centaur people would likely program into their technology. Sidebar. Try not to imagine what a hairless Andalite would look like. Why would you... Inside bar... No, don't inside bar. Brent, would you take a moment with me to imagine what a hairless Andalite would look like? Oh, I
0: already am. I'd be all wrinkly like a sphinx cat. So adorable.
1: Brent, have you seen... They'd need <laughs> the... extra
0: baths, uh, and, but they'd snuggle up to you for warmth under the covers.
1: Just really adorable. Have you seen the new newest trailer for the Pokemon Pikachu detective movie? Called Detective Pikachu.
0: Uh, I've been avoiding those because they cause a visceral horror reaction in me.
1: Yes, that's correct. They have a shot of the, uh, like, hyper realistic Mewtwo, which is. I don't know if you can picture animated Mewtwo, because he's got that weird cod piece. That weird like pink cod piece, you know his cod piece? You know its cod piece, Brent? No. The cod piece? I, I think
0: I'd mentally uh I think I'd mentally rounded that down to just so like a Ken slope.
1: He's got a cod piece, and in mm. the hyper-realistic version, it's sort of it's sort of exactly what you're saying, where it's all fleshy. And it's just like a fleshy mound. And that's what I imagined hairless andalites look like. A lot of flesh.
0: Are you saying that Mewtwo in the Detective Pikachu movie has an angry inch?
1: No. Okay. (laughs) It's so thick, Britt. (laughs) It's more like a flesh codpiece more than anything, Brent. I'm sorry. It's sort of like I can't I can't layer another assembly on top of this. I'm sorry, Brent.
0: That's fine. No, you're doing great. Perfect.
1: Uh inside bar. So loose clothing, no. Skin tight clothing, yes. Well, it doesn't get much more skin tight than inside the skull now, does it? <laughs> what I had assumed is that a yurk hooked okay, directly Jenna, into the synapses
0: of a
1: What I had assumed is oh, that God. a yurk hooked directly into the synapses of a host brain moves along with the host body, merging with the brain mid-morph. From there the yurk remains in control <laughs> and well, I personally don't try to think too hard about the whole thing from the perspective of the host, or whatever might be left of them post-merger. So yeah, I realize this headcanon of mine I made a decade ago definitely has some holes in it, but I figured it was worth sharing. At the very least, for the mental image of hairless Andalites. Thanks... So much for your time. It's been a blast listening to you guys since I found the podcast back in August. And here's to whatever's to come. I want everybody to know that Google doesn't have any recommended responses to this, which I have not seen on an email since they rolled those out. (laughs) Gmail does not want me to engage with this email.
0: There you have it. The way to defeat the AI is by making them picture hairless andalites.
1: Uh no, I think that's fair. I sort of also assumed that about skin type clothing was that it was just the morph thought it was part of their body. Mm-hmm. And so it does make sense that the brain is part of the morph because of that. I like that so many people came to that conclusion
0: from different angles. I mean, it really fits with how like Axe initially describes their like artificial hooves and artificial clothing. It's like, oh, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, it it sort of makes sense fitting in with all of that. I, I hadn't really given much thought about what happens to the host brain when it's layered under Yerk and sort of combined with the animal brain. Part of me... Thinks it would be interesting to have like it, it work like a Venn diagram almost, where the Yurk couldn't control the animal brain without the host's help, and or maybe like the host could control the animal brain, or they the Yurk and the host have equal chances to control the animal brain. Do you know what I mean?
0: I think it, the Yurk has to fight the human. The, the, the host brain to control the animal brain.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really like that there's an added layer there. And I wish we had more of that in the books.
0: So you're absolutely gonna love the email about your childhood fan fiction that is coming up. It ties yeah. very closely into all of these takes on uh, human controller morphing.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much, Jamie. I mean, uh, uh, let me backtrack it. Thank you, kind of, Jamie, <laughs> for... <laughs> for this very very good email
0: yeah no uh thanks wholeheartedly once again always always give the most disturbing visuals to as many people as you can nothing helps a frown like spreading it around (laughs) that's what i always say Uh, our next email is from saphris saphris writes big spoilers for the end of the series and then uh you have to scroll down a little just a little more scrolling
1: appreciate the spoiler
0: then you have to scroll down a little spoiler brent and jenna are cool and great and i really like this podcast that's the spoiler (laughs) google thinks that i should respond thanks i'll check it out (laughs) so that's what i'm going to say to sapris thanks i'll check it out
1: thank you thank you so much for writing uh, let me say right now uh brent read these emails ahead of time i did not so that was genuinely a beautiful surprise (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this next email comes from Emily. Dear Brent and Jenna, first, I've loved the podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it at the very end of every work week on my drive home. I'll miss hearing your perspectives on the book that I hadn't read in so long and your analysis each week. The main purpose of me writing this is to make sure you had the opportunity to to reflect on K.A. Applegate's letter written to her readers about a year after the series had ended, if you hadn't already seen it or been told about it. As you can imagine, there are some very negative responses to the ending of Animorphs, and I think, whether you love the ending or hate it, K.A.'s thoughts on her books definitely deserve your perusal. Uh, And then there's a link. Also for fun, here's an interview K.A. gave about the series in 2016, which I haven't read yet. Yeah, I haven't read that either. Looking forward to that. To end, I thought you both would get a kick out of the fact that the first book in the series I read was number 36, The Mutation, a.k.a. The Atlantis Book. Can't believe it wasn't your first and last. Yeah, seriously. I distinctly remember seeing a friend read it and was intrigued since there was a killer whale on the cover. She recommended the book, so I borrowed it after she finished it. Are you sure she was a
0: friend? Yeah,
2: She
1: was a
0: friend and not like an enemy because if she was a friend, she would have said, oh... Let me show you, let me lend you the way better one where they all morph dolphins.
1: (laughs) Actually, the first book I read in the series was the Dolphin book. Really? And yeah, I read it because my friend Adria was reading them and she got that book because she really loved dolphins. Am I the
0: only one who started with book one because they bought it at the book fair and then subscribed (laughs) to every single update through the Scholastic weekly or monthly uh, uh, order sheet? You might be one of the few, Brent. Mm. Emily continues... I remember being
1: very confused, but had a great interest in understanding all these creatures and characters in their world, which sadly to me at the time, never included Atlantis again. (laughs) I'm glad you, I'm glad you liked the book. Yeah. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad divorced of all context uh, of the series, you enjoyed it. I also remember being impatient with reading these books in order as my only supply of them was a public library, when many other kids were also very hyped about reading them. Oh no. If I wanted to read the books in order, I had to be very patient, which I usually wasn't at that age. I ended up reading book 54 very early on. Oh no! I believe it was maybe the 10th book of the series I read after 1, 2, 3, 4, 48, 32, and some others I don't remember specifically, and essentially spoiled the series for myself. (laughs) Powerball numbers. That's amazing.
0: Oh my goodness. However,
1: This didn't dampen my interest in the series at all. Looking back, I feel like I treated the character similarly to how I treated Anne Frank when I read her diary. Oh. Sure, you know their stories will come to an end, and while it will not be a happy one or could even be an abrupt or seemingly incomplete one, the stories themselves still matter. How they reached the end of the series still mattered. What they thought, what they valued, who they'd been, and who they were growing into mattered. I think the very thoughtfully written and engaging characters were what kept me reading the books, order be damned, and <laughs> hoping in some wistful way for all of them to be, have a happy life waiting for them after the war, even while knowing the truth w- that awaited them. To witness their journey, good and bad and all the shades of gray in between, and connecting with these kids was the best gift I could give to and receive from them. Thanks again, Emily. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. What do you have written? I think that really, I, 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 we've already had some responses on uh, Twitter about uh, my, I guess, underwhelmed response to the final book.
0: You know, most of them have understood your underwhelmed response.
1: Yeah, to varying degrees. I think they expect that the letter that K.A. wrote is going to change it. And we'll talk about that when we get there. Yes, we will. Uh, but Emily, I think your email really underlines the fact that it's not just about the ending. And the ending has not changed how I f- Feel about the series dramatically, uh, because it really is about the characters and them growing. And I think more than a lot of (laughs) giant long series like this, especially meant for kids, more than most of them, this book really has arcs. Like the characters go through actual impactful changes from the beginning to the end, and and being able to follow that is really fantastic and really engaging, and is really I think what. Animorphs does better than most series.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Maybe this is just because we reread them as an adult, but uh, having gone through them, it didn't seem at any point like a happy ending was going to be a thing that was (laughs) possible for this series.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Maybe a not devastating ending.
0: Well, we didn't get that either. (laughs)
1: Uh, Thank you for this email, Emily. Yeah,
0: thank you so much, Emily. Uh, Our next email is from Jade. Uh, It's titled, Fandalite Truth. Uh, and there oh my God. are several images attached that you can find now on oh. andlighttruth.org.
1: Oh, they're really good.
0: Uh, Jade writes, hello, Fandelite folks. I was working on some sketches to try to figure out possible andelite body plans from a skeletal and muscular basis. <laughs> <laughs> I love this already so much. Uh, I'd never found a skull design or hand design I liked but I decided that the Garinac has the body plan closest to some of the weight-bearing requirements it seems like Andalites would have. (laughs) Also, it's just funnier that way. I wanted to work through my sketches to a more finished illustration, but it's not going to happen. Big mood. Uh, At least not soon. Anyway, please enjoy the complete sketch adventure. Thanks so much for reading and summarizing the Animorphs books. I wanted to know what happened, but I wasn't up for that many books full of body horror, etc. Looking forward to the final books. I've listened up to Book 52. Thanks for the commitment. Jade. No last name, OBS. P.S. If Axe was a YouTuber, do you think he'd focus on eating (laughs) things or pronouncing words? Both?
1: Oh my god. Sorry. Think about... Okay. I'm just thinking about the Andalite mukbang, like, uh, 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 revolution. (laughs) I'm just imagining all uh, Axe becoming a famous YouTuber just from eating. Just from eating like a lot of food in front of a camera. It's very good.
0: I think he would be competing for views with Elemist, uh, the Twitch streamer.
1: <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. Okay, I'm adding a list to our end of series wrap up questions, which is what extremely modern thing are all of the Andalites or all of the Anamorphs doing oh in this our year 2019. Uh,
0: so I, I will mention that um, on AndaliteTruth.org several of these images are sideways uh, when they should be not that. And uh, that's because I'm dedicated to strict HTML2 compliance and there is no way <laughs> that I am aware of to rotate them without CSS or JavaScript. So thank you for writing so much, Jade.
1: Yes, and I really appreciate The skeletal sketches that you've drawn of the Andalites, they're real good. Very upsetting. Yeah, they've really added another layer to my mental image of Andalites. (laughs) Uh, This next uh, email comes from a personal friend of the show, Rose.
0: Hey, Rose.
1: Hey, Rose. Thank you both for taking us along on this journey. When you first pitched it on Facebook and I said I'd listen, I had no idea just how interesting it would end up being. I've talked fairly regularly about Animorph with my brothers since we read them 20 years ago. Occasionally, I'd find other friends to talk about with them as well, on a referential surface level. I haven't really had the chance to hear deeper interpretations and perspectives from other people, though, and I've enjoyed it immensely. I can't- I'm flashing back to college? I feel like we never talked about these books- irl in person and that's tragic
0: yeah literally never at all
1: yeah and you know that's fine we were saving all of that up for this podcast (laughs) rose continues animorphs has always been important to me since i first picked up a couple books at a scholastic book fair in fifth grade my first books were two seven and megamorphs one two rachels and a megamorphs with a heavy rachel focus
0: two rachels and a megamorphs was my favorite failed friday night comedy
1: (laughs) hell yeah rose rose continues she obviously became my favorite of course she did she's the best like other kids i thought endlessly about what animals i would morph if i had the chance and then i got around to reading book four and axe used the frolus maneuver to combine dna into a new original person of course i'd been thinking about morphing cats and birds and other normal things but i also could not stop thinking about morphing certain classmates morphing into a girl. And with the Frolus maneuver, I wouldn't even have to worry about the ethical problems of being someone's clone. I secretly fantasized about, endlessly about which girls in my life I would combine, and what I might look like. What that would feel like. Growing up in Southern Illinois at the time, transgender wasn't something even a pretty smart kid would ever hear about. I would later learn from my friends that wanting to morph a girl was weird, so I never brought it up again. And much, much later on the internet, I'd hear stories from other trans folks that had the same exact experience I did. In my case, these childhood fantasies evolved into teen years full of tabletop roleplaying to express myself as a strong woman. And many years after that, I would come to understand what that all meant about myself and start living my best life. Animorphs is awesome for so many reasons. I'm so glad it instilled in me a hatred of war and war apologist, as was KAA's goal. But on a more personal note, I'm forever grateful to the series for being the first catalyst on a lifelong, lifelong journey to morph into myself. Love you guys. Your number one fan, Rose. This is uh, fascinating. I had no idea that this was such a like monumental book for like the trans community. Yeah,
0: I, I did not either. But it, it makes a lot of sense.
1: It, it does. In a certain, yeah, it, as, as a way of sort of creating or allowing space for fantasies of change. Mm-hmm that can become reality. And that's awesome. Yeah. And also, f- fuck war.
0: Yes, also fuck war.
1: <laughs> uh, Rose, thank you for the email and for all the listens and for being just, like, cool.
0: Yeah, and for Anime Club. That, it was, I mean, you're great, Rose.
1: Did you, were you in Anime Club together in college? Yes. I never went to Anime Club. You didn't mess much. Ugh.
0: Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, thanks, Rose. I'm really happy that you're living your best life.
1: Hell yeah. Uh,
0: the next email is from Mama Despic. Mama Despic writes Hey, guys. Mama Despic here of the Animorph Sarpostian Live Journal Theory, which is canon. Hell
1: yeah. Yes. I
0: know you guys have talked about wrapping up with a few episodes at the end of the series and maybe, hopefully, some apps tied with the TV series. Once that's done, any chance you're considering moving to another KA franchise? I'm a big fan of the Remnants series. I there's, we get this recommended several times. Just FYI, going forward, <laughs> uh, and I think Good to know. if you haven't read them, you'd get a kick out of those books. With three words, I describe them as trippy, wild, and of course, it's K.A. dark. There's something like 12 books that are similar in length to the Animorphs books, and since the series is so short, everything sticks to the main story. No ghost-written filler.
1: Hell yeah.
0: I've read the full series a few times, at least once in my adult life, and reading along with you guys would be the perfect excuse to dive in again. Animorphs was without a doubt a formative part of my childhood, but I might actually like Remnants a little better. Whoa, blasphemy. Ha. <sighs> Perfidy. Get out of get out of here. Get out of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, but if you or the fates have something else lined up in the future, I won't hate. Oh, all right. Well, I, I rescind my instructions to to get out. Uh, the Animorph Come journey back. we've gone on has been wonderful, and nothing can change that. Thanks for bringing this into the world. Thanks for writing, Mama uh, Despic.
1: Thank you, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: thank you, Mama. Um, oh. Yeah, so I know we, we, we keep batting around the idea of the TV series, but it's going to be a while if it happens.
1: Do we? Yeah. Maybe, like... Maybe. It's, you feel stronger about that than I do. <laughs>
0: okay. I I would like to someday do the TV series, uh, but I also definitely would like to rest. Like, yeah. rest. Like, for a while.
1: Yeah. It's not that there's a heavy lift with these episodes, but it is, like, a weekly commitment.
0: <laughs> I literally have not read any books other than Animorph since we started this, like, over a year <laughs> ago. And I am dying, Jenna.
1: <laughs> water tend to your garden Brent water your brain flowers
0: I, uh, I think my brain might be growing flowers Um, I haven't read remnants we actually way way early on I brought up the possibility of going on to Everworld after we were done with animals
1: oh fuck god because
0: uh, I I did get uh, the first book of that and well I got maybe I got the second or third book of that I don't know I read one and enjoyed it and then never bought anymore so huh. but the soundtrack is top notch
1: yeah, I think I read one or two of them and was so angry that K.A. was ghostwriting the books and that the Animorph books and that they weren't as good anymore that I refused to read Everworld because I was spiteful. <laughs> That's what I remember of Everworld. That and again, this, the soundtrack box.
0: That seems extremely on brand for you.
1: Yep. This next email comes from Max. Hi, I haven't listened to the past few episodes yet. But I've been meaning to send an in e- in an email for a while now. This podcast has been amazing to listen to. I think I've been listening since like episode five. I usually bake every Friday while listening, so the end of the podcast is a bit sad. I, I love that you bake while listening. That is some good, powerful mojo. Are you sure you're not our friend Paul?
2: Oh,
1: <gasps> I've been meaning to make. I don't think Paul. No, will. I don't I've mean been, meaning to- <laughs> been meaning to make some Andalites cookies in honor of this podcast. Oh my god! Uh, yes. Yeah, that would be amazing and difficult. Uh, I don't have any real questions, so what's been your favorite book? What's been your least favorite book? And what's your favorite color? Thanks for making such an amazing podcast. If we answer Max. these
0: questions three, do we then get to cross the bridge?
1: Whoa. Uh, God, if you make andalite cookies, please send us pictures. Oh my God, yes, Because that sounds please. amazing
0: we'll put them uh, on andalite Truth.org if they don't have torsos
1: yeah if they are uh accurate canon representations of what andalites look like we'll put them on andalite truth <laughs> uh favorite book least favorite book favorite color i mean my favorite color is turquoise i'll just throw that out immediately sure. easy
0: uh for me it's green
1: oh nice like any what kind of shade of green like a
0: hunter green is the one i usually go for oh. darker greens are nice
1: Yeah, that's nice. That's good. I didn't know that about you, Brent.
0: I didn't know that your favorite was turquoise.
1: Yeah. We're still learning uh, about
0: each other every day in every way. After
1: after all these years.
0: The real (laughs) Fandelites was the friends we made along the
2: way.
1: (laughs) Uh, We'll talk, I think we'll talk more about, I don't, I don't know if I have a, I mean, my least favorite book is probably the Atlantis one. Sorry. Sorry, Emily. (laughs) Um, Or the Helmicron books, which were a struggle to get through. The Andalite one, or the Atl- Atlantis one, I think was more readable. The Helicron books were just unbearable.
0: I think uh, the my answer to both, least favorite and most favorite, is the same, and the answer to both is the one where the Animorphs do a 9-11. Oh
1: no, no!
0: Oh my god!
1: Brendan, fuck god, fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck. God damn it. The an- ah. Uh, I mean that's not a real um, answer but
0: it is the funny answer
1: <sighs> what's my favorite of these books that's a really hard one
0: yeah you, you got the rest of the episode to think about it and as previously mentioned I'm not sure that either of us could even name all of the books at this point
1: <laughs> yeah I, if you if you ner- heard me being distracted at the, some point in the email response is because I was trying to google a list of the book titles <laughs> as though that would help <laughs> As though not having a description of what the books were we're going to fucking help me. God damn. I'll save
0: you some time. It's the noun.
1: Yes. Thank you, Brent. You're welcome. The one with the noun. I'm here to help.
0: <laughs> uh, our next our next email is from Jamie. Different Jamie. Different spelling. Yes. And, and the title is, Jenna, if you won't read your fanfic, will you at least tell us about it? <laughs> uh, Jamie writes... I'm curious what your plotline was. Did you write about the main troop, or did you have your own group of morph-capable teens? What kind of hijinks did you get into? If it helps, I'll put myself on blast first. Warning, this is kind of long, and now that I am recalling it, it's pretty fucked up. but so in a pretty appropriately Animorphs way. I was in middle Excellent. school when I started reading Animorphs, and I didn't even know what fanfiction was when I started writing my own. Self-insert, awesome. of course. With all my yes. teammates named after my friends. Yes. Except I didn't have five friends in middle school. Oh no. So one name was a boy I had a crush on, and I had to make yes. one up completely.
2: Oh boy. I called
0: those the Andamorphs, but then I discovered GeoCities fan sites where other fan fiction was being hosted, and discovered that someone was already using the name Andamorphs. <laughs> I had to come up with a new name, and I think what I settled on was, Brent, if you read this next sentence on air, Jenna is legally required to spill the beans, <laughs> because it's really embarrassing. So, Jen, I hope you're prepared. Give me, give, me, give me a thumbs up, thumbs down here.
1: It's really good. Please go okay. for it. Yeah. We
0: were the Andamorpholites.
1: <laughs> it's really good.
0: I'm regretting yeah. doing for the podcast name now.
1: Yeah, we really we went with the first option and did not waver. So
0: next next group of people who want to do an Anamorphs read through podcast, Andamorpholites, is, I think, available. <laughs> but you might have to pay Jamie royalties. Uh, I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember my first plotline involved saving my sister, who was a controller. While this was not the most inventive of plotlines, I feel like I solved some problems in some creative and appropriately horrific ways. I gave my sister, as a controller, the power to morph. I then told her to acquire her own yurk, which was still in her head.
1: (gasps) That's great. Isn't it?
0: I had decided yeah. since all you had to do was concentrate and be in contact with a creature that this was possible because it totally fucking is, man. It totally oh, man. is. Being acquired made the Yerk passive enough for us to capture her, tie her up, and keep her somewhere for three days until the yurt starved. We had to fake her death so the Yurks wouldn't look for her. And honestly, this is so horrific. I'm going to content warning it with car accident and death. Ugh. It involved our poorly named gang giving a wild rabbit we found in the woods morphine capabilities. Horrific letting the rabbit acquire my sister horrific my sister morphing her newly acquired yerk horrific controlling said rabbit horrific make the rabbit morph herself what the fuck release the rabbit and then chase it into traffic i'm pretty sure my mom has this fan fiction in a box somewhere and i'm scared that it might still exist in the world
1: oh my god a hard copy that's fucking fantastic Beautiful. oh my
0: god oh. i'm sending this before i even listen to your episode for the last book but thanks for all the laughs and i hope to continue to hear more from you too in a podcast form there's 32 goosebumps that have gotten a reprint if that sounds more palatable than the whole series or maybe remnants or everworld catch you on the flip side jamie
1: that is such a fucking good plot i
0: can't believe i'm so that it angry cannot, man
1: that's so good. Jake
0: didn't have to fucking destroy the blade ship. He could have just broadcast to Tom. Yo, acquire your yurt.
1: Oh my god, um, that's so fucking good. That's so much fucking better. My fanfic did not have what you would consider a plot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's a lot. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to remember. Here's the things that I remember from this is that obviously it was a self-insertion fanfic 100% sure, to 100% sure. definitely for sure for sure for sure for sure that um I remember that my character had eyes that changed colors because <laughs> that was just something you did in fanfic during that time period sure
0: absolutely
1: I remember my character had a crush on Marco uh which is
0: Baffling to me as an adult. (laughs) In hindsight, but remember the time period, I guess.
1: I think in the time period, and this is the way I approached a lot of crushes during this time period, was understanding who I was supposed to have a crush on so that I could mimic like acceptable crushes uh and so i think marco was the one that was the quote-unquote most acceptable for me a young girl but
0: if you were to rewrite it today it would be cassie
1: it would be rachel (laughs) i mean obviously obviously it would be rachel i'm sorry obviously it would be rachel obviously um and and to underline that point i remember my self-insert character had a rivalry with rachel which if that (laughs) Which is obviously a sublimation of the romantic impulses that I was not willing to label as romantic at that time. Obviously. Obviously. The other thing I remember is that the final chapter had some sort of really, really bad, long drawn out metaphor about how the Yerkes were Nazis and how Viscer 3 was like Hitler.
2: <laughs>
0: mm, that is kind of rough, but.
2: Ooh, it's bad.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, bear in mind, this is, like, fifth, sixth grade?
0: Yeah, so this would have been in the very late 90s.
1: (sighs) Ooh, boy. Oh, Brent.
0: Look, we're products of the American education system, man.
1: Oh,
2: boy.
0: Does it make you feel any better to know that my, like, only fanfic I ever attempted was for the Young Jedi Knight series, and I only got two paragraphs in, but I had a crush on Tunnel Ka?
1: (laughs) That does, actually, yeah.
0: good, good. I'm glad that I could help.
1: I did write a lot more fanfic after that the animorphs yeah i have vivid memories of posting it on fanfiction.net and everybody uh,
0: quick google go to fanfiction.net real quick jenna what was your username never
1: find it uh i do remember but i'm not gonna say but uh, somebody posted a very uh, i'll I'll let me say this it was mean at the time in hindsight extremely fair comment on the fanfic uh, commenting on the very bad grammar because I was in like sixth grade <laughs> so the grammar was bad it was a badly written thing uh, and then my friend Emily who read all of, who was super deep in the uh, uh, a fandom like I was replied this
0: is the, the Emily that wrote in earlier
1: no no different Emily god I wonder if this Emily reads this I hope this Emily doesn't listen to this podcast is what I'll say But then I secretly hope she does. Anyway, she left a reply on it, and it got into this weird (laughs) fanfiction.net comment back and forth aggro war. God, the internet.
0: Fanfiction.net comment war would also be a pretty good episode title.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your so much better fanfic story with us.
0: I mean, honestly, that is a mind-blowing revelation that had never occurred to me. So kudos on you for coming yeah, up with it.
1: That's so fucking clever. Oh. God. Oh hey, the next the next email is from friend of the show Val. Friend of the show and occasional guest host, Val.
0: Wife of the show, Val. Yes,
1: <laughs> wife of the show, Wife of the show, Val. And she says being a hawk is hard. And then she links. Oh, no! She links a story from uh, a newspaper call. It says, Red-tailed hawk set free after serious head injury. (laughs) It was an emotional reunion for a red-tailed hawk and an officer who helped rescue him. The raptor was released back into the wild Wednesday, and it was all captured on camera and only on KOMO. And then I have to fill out a survey to read the rest of this. Hold on. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Google. Uh...
0: The hawk rattled the animal carrier, hesitated just a second, then took off. Fish and Wildlife Officer Patrick Murray and Washington State Patrol Trooper Gavin Schuster found the hawk dazed and stunned in late January along Highway 16 north of Gig Harbor. Dazed and Stunned was my favorite Tobias McConaughey movie. (laughs) A motorist first (laughs) noticed the hawk, found the trooper not far down the road, and told him about the bird looking injured and in need of help. Officer Murray checked on the hawk's progress since he rescued the animal and took it to a shelter that day uh and there's like a whole bunch more of the article but the bird yeah okay. you can look it up you can look it up based on that
1: that's great it is hard to be a hawk uh
0: our next email is from sam
1: once again yep
0: yeah this is our second sam email yeah uh sam writes hey brent and jenna maybe this is too uh heavy of a question but
1: no, 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 book 54 no,
0: no. came out in may 2001 oh no making animorphs one of the last pieces of serialized young adult and/or sci-fi media to conclude before 9-11 yep how different do you think the series would have been had it been written in a post nine eleven world not like plot wise although most of the airport stuff and also the conclusion of number 37 would probably be rewritten but theme wise do you think it would have changed much thanks for the great stories it's been a blast listening sam
1: this is a great question
0: it is and a little (sighs) heavy
1: it is a little heavy this is so good i really want to chew on it
0: you can if you want i have like an off the cuff off the dome yeah Uh, response yeah let's hear it Kay applegate wrote uh her her letter to the fans a year after the last book came out i understand Mm. uh and so that would have been post 9-11
1: yeah that's a good point
0: Kay applegate as far as i know still maintains a war is bad uh (laughs) stance and uh that's very much in that letter so i don't know that the themes would have necessarily changed all that much Um, The portrayal of the guerrilla war might have changed a little, Mm. given that we immediately invaded a country in the Middle East and engaged with guerrilla forces.
1: Yeah, I I think probably some of the language would have changed because Mm -hmm. the phrase Andalite bandits is very much a phrase that you would have pre 9-11 but not post 9-11 yeah because post 9-11 they'd be the andalite terrorists 100% guarantee um so i think there'd probably be some language stuff like that that would have changed i think i think you make a great point that that letter did come out post 9-11 so it probably reflects both ka's attitude towards the series as a whole and also probably Towards our culture as a whole at that moment, because um, actually that context makes the whole tone of that letter make a lot more sense to me. I think probably the series would have be been largely unchanged.
0: I think it might be a little more dark. Yeah, if that's at all possible. Yeah, I think it might. Well, maybe not more dark, but more explicit.
1: Oh yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah,
0: because there would have been K Applegate would have been able to pull from the headlines uh, more recently. A lot mm. of actual guerrilla tactics and the results of those.
1: There would probably be more scenes of torture to underline how bad torture is and how you shouldn't torture your prisoners of war.
0: Maybe some metaphor about drone warfare, but that might yeah. have been way later. In the Forever War has been going on so long that I've kind of it's kind of blurred all together. So,
1: yeah. uh, so I think it, I think it'd be I, I the other thing I think that would be different is I think K A would have written more of the books. I don't think she would have let him be ghostwritten. I think she would have been more attached to keeping the series in line with her message, maybe.
0: It's possible she might have been more aggressive about editing the ghostwritten manuscripts post facto. But as I understand it, because I read an AMA with her, even if I haven't read her uh, anniversary letter, the whole reason they went with ghostwriters was because of the... The, the schedule mm. which is also the reason why we went with ghost podcasters for several of our episodes
1: yeah absolutely Bet you couldn't tell the difference <laughs> yeah you
0: can't you, you can't tell <laughs> because they were releasing a book a month and that wasn't even the only series they were writing and also she was pregnant with their first child uh part way through
1: yeah that's fair
0: so I, I guess maybe she would have already had a kid at that point so maybe she would have written more of them but um if the whole <laughs> timeline had shifted forward I don't know that she would have not had ghostwriters, but she might have more aggressively policed the message in the ghostwritten books. We might not yeah. have gotten the Yvonne um, yet uh Oof. book about how great the Navy is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if Scholastic even would have wanted to continue the series if it had bridged 9-11 rather oh. than ending before 9-11. I'm curious of what that would have done.
0: That is a great point. Scholastic yeah. may have been a little hinky about uh, publishing a series where the, <sighs> the protagonists are guerrilla warriors against an invading force. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, great fucking question, Sam. Very heavy. Yeah. Uh, this next email comes from mesmeraculously mirthful. I think the Pluto quote, "...only the dead have seen the end of war," is very much an overarching theme of the whole series, encapsulating everything from the conflict between the Ilamist and Krayak to the confrontation with the One. It is echoed in Aloran's words to Lauren about her father during the Andalite Chronicles, "...even those who return from war may never really come home." It also serves as a capstone to Rachel's character arc, It would be just as at home on the bulletin board she kept in her room as the Sun Tzu quotes. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you for reminding me.
0: (laughs) I've never forgotten about that.
1: (laughs) But book four, Rachel's life has already become quotations full of paranoia and battle. I think even then, K.A. was setting Rachel up to be the one that fell. That even if Rachel hadn't died, she was destined to become one of those soldiers that never really comes home. I think that's a great, beautiful point, I, I think you're right. I think Rachel, al- I think K.A. always knew that Rachel was the one who wasn't going to survive. Uh, and we'll get a little bit more into this after we talk about the letter, but I think the choice to kill Rachel is also the choice to not explore the fullness of this arc that you that you're suggesting that I agree with, which is that some people never really come home from war. And I think Rachel would have been one of them. And I think seeing her struggle with that would have been much... More poignant and engaging than some of the other stories.
0: um No, I, th- I think you're right, Rachel. Very much, and I think this email is spot on. Even surviving, she wouldn't have really survived.
1: Yeah, I mean, because the cat, what Cassie said, I think in one of the megamorphs has always stuck with me about Rachel that she was waiting, like she was just waiting for something in that alternate reality where she didn't go to war, and I think. I think it's probably true after the war, after she found herself in the war. I don't think she'd be able to deescalate.
0: You think she would have been like the Punisher? Uh,
1: I mean, when you put it like that, I want that. I want that. I want her to entrap dudes who are going to try and kidnap her when she's 12 years old off the street and then murder them. Yeah. Fuck, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> Brent. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the
0: fourth book in this series. Jesus. That was a thing that happened. And yeah. And I just moved past it and Jake was mad at her?
1: Christ. Yeah, it was a bad one.
0: Thank you so much for writing... Uh...
1: Mesmeraculously mirthful.
0: Thank you. That's a Thank mouthful. <laughs> Our next letter is from Horatio. Horatio writes, Hi Brent and Jenna. I hope the attached Andalite drawing finds you well. I'm no artist, but the site is hilarious and I love the podcast. And don't kid yourself, you're more of an artist than I am.
1: This is, yeah... I love this. I love the scythe tail. It's very good.
0: I love the hashtag. (laughs) Uh, I'm not caught up in the podcast, but if you guys are still posting these, could you credit to Horatio Octagon? I don't want to post (laughs) my name, so that one is much more interesting. Smiley emoji. Uh, Have a great weekend.
2: Thanks, Thanks Thank you,
1: Horatio Octagon.
0: In case anybody's interested uh, in it, I am planning to keep the Gmail app signed into the Fandelite's email account on my phone once we're done. <laughs> so if you have Andalite Truth drawings to send, I will see them and eventually post them on Andal- Fandelite Truth, org
1: It is never too late to to blast us with your beautiful Andalite Truths.
0: Yeah, that that whole thing literally cost me entire cents a month, so I will keep it up (laughs) until the heat death of the universe.
1: spectacular thank you horatio
0: yes thank you so much for writing um jenna we got one final email literally while we were recording this are you interested in reading it uh
1: yeah is it this one from carrie yes okay um so the first one is the the opening of this email is a fucking spectacular uh beautiful friendly andelite by carrie uh, which will also be on andalite truth uh and then farther down I've been discussing this with a friend who's a bigger anamorphs dork than me, even, and rereads them a lot. She's pointed out several texts where they have flat, human-like faces, are taller than humans, etc. Basically, K.A. changed her mind. The tail is described as like a cow or bullwhip, but with a sharp blade at the end. How can the head be triangle and mistaken for a horse, but then flat and humanoid? Short but then large. No torso, then centaur-like. Hmm. Enjoying your show about halfway through and really appreciate your graphics and fun theories.
0: Well, they're mostly not our graphics, so thank you to everybody <laughs> who's contributed to AndaliteTruth.org.
1: I mean, this is a great point, is that the, it, the Andalite descriptions have been here and there. They've been up and down. They've been a real mix.
0: Truly, Andalites are a study in contrast.
1: <laughs> Remember that one time Axe jumped backwards over a fence?
0: Oh, that was incredible. That's <laughs> canon. Andalites can all do that. That's a really good. it looks like they jumped forwards over the fence and someone took a video of it and played it in reverse. That's what it looks
1: like. Yeah, it's very good. How it was spelt. What a spelt thing to do. (laughs)
0: No, it's true. The descriptions of Andalites are all over the place. And I think a lot of the popular, and I use popular in air quotes, uh, Hmm. conception of of Andalites among the fan community uh, entirely is contributable to the book covers. And I guess maybe the Visser had on a stick from the TV show. (laughs) Yes.
1: I'm looking at the cover of the Andalite Chronicles right now. And Elfinger is pretty buff. He's got pretty well-defined pecs
0: okay how how are his arm muscles how are his biceps
1: pretty fucking bulky
0: okay he looks so, pretty ripped so you can't you can't you can't put me on blast that hard for always describing andeline arms as uh big beefy arms
2: <laughs>
1: I, if, listen if i can put ka applegate on blast i can put you on blast for
0: well i mean i can't argue and with I, shouldn't, I, really I shouldn't i shouldn't
1: do either but here we are uh
0: our our final z space transmission is a twitter dm it is from tobias which like great cool thanks tobias <laughs> hi friends i keep thinking about the fact that when a person morphs any bugs or other tagalongs on them morph as well except when the bug is another anamorph and by any sort of internal logic they should be absorbing the other animorph mm. into their body like a morph suit and may or may not show back up afterwards and i need to share this upsetting visual with someone else i'm not mm. quite done with the series so this might have already been brought up but if not you're welcome for the imagery and thank you for inspiring the imagery i guess but definitely thank you for the time and effort you put in creating this wonderful podcast Ooh
1: yeah that's something to think about that i wish i weren't thinking about Remember that time they all drank Rachel's blood because they were all fleas on her as a cat? <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh, and uh, and uh do you remember the time when uh God, was it David biting Jake or Jake biting David? They bit him as humans and then
0: morphed because that's the only
1: way they could get that to work.
0: Uh, positioning look, it's all, wise. It's it's very much canon that all <laughs> of the animorphs are into blood play.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean it's instinct. They can't fight that.
0: It's not even debatable.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Um, so that finally hits the end of our gigantic tsunami of, uh, of, of transmissions from zero space. Jenny, you'd mentioned that you have some stuff that you wanted to cover.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just sort of wanted to discuss how... Did you get a chance to read the letter?
0: Yes. not Not the anniversary one, but uh the the one from a year after the books were done
1: yes yeah same here i i figure we should talk about that and if that changes our perception of the book and if so how and then just sort of sort of uh wrap up our feelings on the series
0: okay well do do you want to go first or do you want me to go first
1: i mean i i can go first i it didn't it didn't dramatically change how i felt about the series um Again, like I'm not I'm not angry or hugely disappointed at the last book. I think it was fine. <laughs> maybe that sounds like I'm disappointed and maybe I am disappointed and I'm just not willing to accept that. <laughs> um, Perfect. my yeah, my inner turmoil aside. I, I just felt like uh, eh, I mean her, her argument in the the letter, which was very I felt very defensive. Um, so maybe she was reacting very specifically to a lot of negative criticism from fans. And I mean,
0: it was probably justifiably defensive. Yeah, but. I
1: mean, you're never... That's the thing with series that people feel passionate about, is that that passion can sometimes backlash. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame. It's a shame that creators have to put up with that, more so now even than in K.A. era, K.A.'s era. Uh but I, I appreciate her wanting to sort of address those concerns, especially in a post 9-11 world. But her point is that people react differently to coming back from war. And some of them are more or less fine, like Axe and Marco. And some of them really struggle, like Jake. And I thought that's interesting. And it clarifies more the sort of the reasons for what happens. But I still don't think it was particularly engaging or interesting. And she also makes the point in the book that her first goal is to entertain. And the the sort of overarching morality is secondary to that. And I don't think she fulfills that quite well. Um, but again, your mileage may vary. I know you liked the book a lot. I just thought, <laughs> it like, it's just like... I just didn't think Marco's story was at all interesting in any way.
0: Marco is the stumbling block. He
1: just... Like, he just did everything that I would have guessed that he would have done book one. Like if I had read book one and read Marco's character, if I had to guess what he would do after this war, regardless of what that war's content was, that's what I would guess. And so it's sort of, I mean, and maybe that's just my disappointment with Marco himself, (laughs) which is also part of it. But it's like, If you have two characters, Axe and Marco, who are both basically going to do the same thing, which is just move on with their lives, uh, and Cassie kind of also does just the same thing, Mm -hmm. then you're not actually providing us with a variety of responses to the war. Cassie, Mark, and Axe all have more or less the same progress, and then Jake has a really difficult time, and Tobias, we don't get to hear much of at all. So I don't feel like it it did provide a multitude of different perspectives.
0: So I will, uh, cards on the table, admit that I have seen the, like, last bit of, uh, of this letter on Twitter before we read 54. Mm. Uh, and that sort of colored my perception, I think. It, it really made me read it more as a, this is what war does to people who are in it uh, treatise than mm. I might have otherwise. Mm. And you make some incredibly valid points, which I will defer to because I am an insanely uncritical reader of, of <laughs> consumer of media. <laughs> like, insanely uncritical. Uh, I I did not quite realize until college how fucking racist H.P. Lovecraft was. Uh I mean, a lot of people don't, yeah. Uh, well, that's what just... I, I do not bring a critical eye to the media I consume, typically, unless I am specifically attempting to. So, uh, I, I think that made me... I think having seen part of that letter before I read 54 made me uh, absorb more of that. But you definitely are raising some extremely valid points that have not occurred to me previously.
1: I will say I really appreciate K.A. because the end of her letter is like, go fucking vote, vote. If you don't like war, fucking vote. You need to stop it. Like you have to participate in our culture in order to to be able to affect the direction of it. And I strongly appreciate that now, especially now uh, especially where we're at now, because it, like our the the amount, the percentage of the American population that votes is so shockingly low, and then the amount that people complain about the direction our country is going in is so shockingly high. I I always encourage people to vote.
0: <laughs> I vote. Well, it's not like we systemically have designed the system of American democracy to be as inimical uh, and, and onerous as possible to people who might want to change it voting.
1: I agree. Yeah. I mean, voter suppression is a huge issue. Uh, And the only way to change it is to vote people in. And those of us who can vote easily, like myself and like you and like all other people, like consider it's like the herd immunity of voting is that if you have the ability to vote without like absolutely destroying like your life because you have to skip work or something like that, like you have a responsibility to vote, to take care of people who can't. And I think that's a great point. I almost wish that were a, a more prominent theme in the book series, but they are teens, so I appreciate how that can't be a part of it.
0: Man, herd immunity is like a rough chuckle of a complication given that Washington state is currently experiencing a measles outbreak. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean that but it, but it conceptually it's the way we need to approach society, which is yeah. that we all need to be taking we need to use whatever access we have to power or privilege or whatever you want to name it to help people who don't and that's yeah. what voting's all about and so it, i i'll admit to being personally deeply frustrated at people not voting so shout out to ka for for scolding people decades ago for not voting <laughs> Voted, which i appreciate
0: died. that's a that's a ka quote
1: <laughs> <laughs> voting aside
0: yeah uh voting aside i don't know i i the way i interpreted ka's letter is sort of like well they don't get closure, so you don't get closure, which is kind of what I kept saying during our episode 54.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that was accurate. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you were repping KA's POV.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was doing. It's like, "Oh, yeah, okay. Well, they're fucking broken, so this does you don't get a good ending," which I appreciate from a meta perspective, but I understand that it is probably real bad from a meta perspective uh, in terms of just <laughs> writing quality. It's not something you <laughs> want to go for.
1: I mean, I I mean, it does get her point across that sometimes you don't get endings.
0: <laughs> Touche, KA. Yeah, I mean, I th- I guess to give additional context, uh, during one of my creative writing classes in college, I turned an assignment uh, and and one of my notes on the revision was, this character has a motivation that only I am aware of and I think that that's great. (laughs) You cannot infer it from any of the rest of the text, you'll probably infer a different thing, but it's not that, so uh, (laughs) that's fine, that's good, I like that uh so i'm perverse i guess is what i'm saying i'm a prevert <laughs> in terms of in terms of literature that i
1: did know about you i'm,
0: I'm a literary prevert
1: yeah uh let let's talk about the series as a whole brent yeah how do you feel about having read every single anamorph book
0: i kind of wish that i had read them as they came out instead of falling off after a certain point
1: yeah you regret not sticking with it
0: a little bit yeah
1: so tell me more about why that is
0: i honestly there's not much more to say just like i wish that i'd gotten the closure because i spent a lot of time since then thinking about like animorphs and how the animorphs ended just sort of idly Mm. uh and and how their war ended and i i never knew until we actually read this book um and i I mean i teared up a little reading it uh in, in a couple places and that's there's there's not a lot more to say honestly. I I wish that I had read it earlier and just had been able to digest that whole thing. I mean, we wouldn't have done this podcast.
1: Yeah. That's true. Mix sort of a mixed bag there.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair.
1: I feel I don't I don't regret not continuing with the series as a kid just because eh, I I think I moved on from anamorphs to things that were more difficult reading.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh I'm flashing back. I I read Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, not long after giving up on Animorphs. And I and I switched to like, um, oh, who's that gentleman who wrote The Martian Chronicles? Ray Bradbury. I moved on to Ray Bradbury and like other like harder sci-fi. So I think it was probably good for me that I, I continued on with my reading. Um, but I feel very good about having read all of these books. I feel like this was a, a notable undertaking and we've done it, Brent. Uh-huh. We did it. We reread all of these books. <laughs> I'm not certain when we first started doing this podcast, I was not certain we would keep doing the podcast.
0: Well, that was the whole point of the podcast in my mind was to trick myself into continuing to do them <laughs> because people expected another episode.
1: I really like that.
0: That was the only way I could finish. I already tried to start a reread earlier in my life and fallen off.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I, I had I had a bunch of the series and I had tried. God, I think... I think like freshman year of college, I tried to start and I just, uh, I just kept leaving it for things that I needed to read for class or <laughs> things that I was more interested in in reading because they were more challenging. Right. Uh, and this was the only way that I could finally finish the series. Well, we did it. We did it. We really did it. I
1: sometimes I regret that our we had two other original podcasters the first episode we recorded was with four people was episode Um, zero the last episode yeah and we had two other podcast hosts and part of me regrets that they did not join us on this journey uh but I also feel like if scheduling four people, scheduling two people was difficult enough, scheduling four people would have been fucking impossible, and we definitely would have fallen off.
0: Especially since we ended up across three time zones instead of two.
1: Yes, god damn this is wow i've gone on a real life
0: journey since we started this podcast i'm just thinking about yeah you used to live driving distance from me and now you are <laughs> a, a, a very long plane trip and we only visit you when we are going uh to the other coast yeah
1: yeah i've recorded this podcast in four different apartments for at, at least four maybe yeah four four different apartments god damn
0: four different apartments and a house if you're if you count Megamorphs 1, which you recorded in my place during Salmon Days.
1: I mean, if we count the extra episodes also that Airbnb
0: we recorded in. Yes. Okay. So, so five different apartments and a house. Yes. Ugh. Exhausting. That's why I'm ready for rest, man. I am ready to rest and be done. Yeah.
1: Are there any, like what, I, I just want to sit down and, and since we're already doing that, talk about the things or the images or the moments or the scenes that having read all of these books, still stick with you. Because I'll start with mine. Like, the number one most evocative image now, when I think of Animorphs, is Rachel crouching down next to Rat David in that storm pipe. Fuck. That's, like, that is the Animorphs image in my brain now, and always will be. Are there any other scenes that we haven't already mentioned that uh, remain, like, really evocative or, or memorable in your mind?
0: Well, I mean, I will forever always uh as, as before have the shower scene with the ant uh attached to to somebody's yeah. back burned into my brain it's a great one yeah it's, oof, it's rough um in terms of like the series as a whole i'm not sure i could pick out like one scene that really sums it up but i think uh much more than before we did this reread the relationship between Cassie and Aftran stands out to me as mm. emblematic of the message of the series.
1: Yeah. That's a great one. The whole ending of that book is really, uh, a really important thematically, but also just a, a visually memorable scene. Yeah. Uh, what about that time Jake was a rhinoceros and got shot in the brain and then morphed the bullet out?
0: <laughs> that was a good one. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What, a, what about that time?
1: I'm just talking about scenes that are
0: memorable. <laughs> That was a thing, yeah, and then he went and burned that dude's house down. Yeah! Which is, which sort of nobody ever brought up again, which, I mean, that that was sort of a really, really uh, hard foreshadowing for the war criminal <laughs> that Jake would eventually become.
1: Yeah, I guess Joba Finesse probably died once his cannibalistic yerk supply dried up.
0: Thank you for uh, recalling the correct pronunciation. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, I'm got these books in my heart now i've memorized every
0: part of them no in my head uh joe bob uh, he's still around he's just he's the hunting is harder now
1: okay i mean okay
0: he's gonna come for viscer three sorry viscer one eventually because eventually viscer one will be the only year left
1: he'll have to eat his brother
0: that's very good brent it'll be a heist where he has to break into the specially constructed facility in kansas
1: yeah just to eat him mm-hmm. just to eat him
0: and that only just gives him another him. three days man oh no great he'll crack great. open that lavender box like an oyster shell and just <laughs> suck and him then down
1: finish it off with the cookies that are left behind uh are there any other like images thoughts things that pop up from the series
0: do we want to just completely, uh, completely avoid unpacking Andalites or America?
1: Yeah, that was my plan. I was okay. hoping you would mention it.
0: Cool. All right. Cool. Cool. Cool.
1: I think it's. I think it's just there. I think people get it, right?
0: I. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Uh man. It's it's bittersweet for me. This is the end. Uh, another turning point. Folks stuck in the road. <laughs> I can't sing anymore, or we'll get sued for copyright violations. <laughs> So yeah, that'll do it for us, I guess. Um, We'll let you know if we do anything else, but it'll be a while. Thanks to Dustin O'Dell for the use of his theme music for our intro and outro. We couldn't have done it without you. And everybody that I have ever spoken to about this podcast comments on the banger of an intro and outro that we got. Uh,
1: It is an absolute banger. I do recommend checking out the rest of Dustin's tracks because they are very good.
0: Yeah, you can find his stuff at DustinOdell.BandCamp.com. And he's at Dustin of C-O-I-T on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow either of us individually, my Twitter is at Brent, And Jenna's Twitter is...
1: At TheJenna. I recommend following Brent because he posts pictures of his very good and cute corgis a lot. <laughs> and that's content you won't find anywhere else on the internet.
0: Except my Instagram and my Facebook.
1: I mostly post pictures of Beats and my own face. So enjoy that, Twitter. At TheJenna.
0: <laughs> Beats?
1: Yeah, I've been posting a lot of pictures of beets because I love beets so much. I love beets, Brent. Brent, they're a beautiful vegetable. Although I had cabbage today, I might pivot to cabbage.
0: You've got a very Russian Twitter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's winter out, Brent. What can <laughs> I say? Um. So visit our our andalighttruth.org. Uh. It, once again, if you want to email us more pictures of factual canon andalites you can email them to fandalites at gmail.com i'll continue checking that occasionally to update andalitetruth.org we'll still be present on at fandalites on twitter maybe not as frequently but we will be and god until next podcast remember nostalgia is a drug